Transferring wealth successfully starts with asking yourself questions that will give your family a better life now and for generations to come. In this podcast, financial professionals John and Michael from Copper Beach Financial Group guide you through eye-opening questions to help you discover the truth about your wealth. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to The Truth About Wealth with John and Michael Paris of Copper Beach Financial Group. Hello, guys. How are we doing today? Wendy, we're doing great. How are you today? Hey, Wendy. I'm good. I'm always glad to hear when someone's doing great. Can you tell me your secret? Uh... Wine. Drink more. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was going to be about wine. Yeah, well, you know, we, we're, you know, we're wine guys here. <laughs> yes, I do. Yes, I do. It's like so, a lush. No, we don't drink that much wine. We no, just, I would never. We, we, we sip. <laughs> yes. Yes. Do you spit it out? Like they have those little things? No, okay. silly stuff. Spit that out. is silly, isn't it? <laughs> when, I, when I was overseas in Italy, that's they, they, they were serving as this fantastic wine. I said, I, do I have to spit this out? You don't have to, but you'll be drunk by 12. Right. Exactly. So I said, okay, I can work with that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, what do we got on the agenda for today? I think today we're going to have a, a little bit of a follow-up from our, our last podcast on on upline generational planning. And, and we wanted to maybe be a little bit more specific and just talk about some case studies where, where this issue popped up um, where families, I think, were were struggling and how hopefully we help them through that process. So that's what we're going to talk about today. It's, it's a little bit of a different topic for us, but I think one that is becoming, as we said, I think on the last podcast, more and more of a of a conversation, I think, for, yeah, with our absolutely. families. You know, that or it should be. Well, it should be, but they're they're looking now more at what mom and dad have put in place. How does that impact uh, what I'm doing with my family? for my planning and, and my generational planning. Uh, and, you know, okay, if there are some negative impacts that might happen, how do I, how do I approach maybe, you know, mom and dad to help fix that? So we're going to talk a little bit more about some case studies today. Yeah. We love case studies well, right. because, they're, because they're real. They're actually cases and clients that uh, have certain specific goals and objectives that we've educated about how to address certain issues. And that's what this is all about today. Yeah. It's about good examples, right? Yeah, it's always it's always good to tell stories. I, I love stuff telling stories, but it has huge impact on families when you do things correctly. That's how we mm-hmm. we kind of envision it. We don't, you know, it's unfortunate the plans we put in place for families, they're not going to take life until 30, 40 years from now. A lot of cases, we're not going to see the finalization of the plans we created, but, you know, it's great to, to look forward to say, I hope it all works out. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's jump in this here. The first one we want to talk about uh, is going to be someone that approached us. Her father has was very successful and has a lot of asset protection concerns uh, that we really don't need to necessarily get into the details of, but had some significant asset protection concerns. Uh, she is a successful business owner. Her husband is a successful business owner and is going through the process of trying to maximize um, their plan and sees all of this success that her father and mother have had throughout uh, their lives and are now very concerned with how that's going to impact not only their plan, but also just their day-to-day lives. And so one of the things that she was very concerned about, again, because of some asset protection issues that, that her father was having, is making sure that just the basic 
estate, we call them basic estate planning documents, but things like powers of attorney, things like living wills or healthcare directives, all of that was in place. And again, it turns out that there were some limitations to those documents that they really weren't in place. And so that's even before we get into maybe some more of the advanced um, case study things that, that we did with this family, that was really just step one is making sure that those documents are in place because particularly when you have these asset protection concerns, you want to make sure that there is another party that is in place. In this case, this was our client, uh, the daughter, that would be appointed to be able to manage those affairs appropriately should something happen further with that as it relates to a capacity issue. And again, we're seeing, unfortunately, a lot of increased dementia and some other you know illnesses as we're living longer, hopefully. There's some other health issues that that come up. I know that there's... Um, what does uh, Uncle Mario say? Our, our uncle says something that you either your body goes and your brain's intact or your brain goes and your body's intact, which is an unfortunate reality. I think I'm not a doctor, but yeah, very, that is very you don't get told you, but you don't get both of them. Yeah. Most of the time. So if you're in that scenario, unfortunately, where you're having capacity issues, but you're otherwise healthy, these basic planning documents really have to be put in place and and should be a, sort of a step one to make sure that that was done. So that was um, from our guidance, just one thing that we were able to really help the family with. And it, and it turns out that that was a really important component to get done right away. So I want you to talk about maybe some other concerns that we went into with this family yeah it, it, there's there's a couple of areas that because of the laws have changed there's uh we talked about this in the past iras that uh, in, uh that get inherited by children are going to be taxed differently uh or ta- taxed differently because they used to be able to stretch to the kids when they inherit those iras now the stretch is gone and there's a 10-year new law that says what kids inherited these iras they have to pay tax within 10 years. Well, when you have a large IRA, and we have a lot of clients that have substantial IRAs, that's changed the playing field now because there's there's no way they get around paying that tax very quickly. And it affects the legacy of those assets. It affects the taxation of those assets. So so these case studies we're focusing on not only developing these upline strategies, but taking a look at these asset classes that are available for us to work with and try to shift them divert them, change their the structure to make sure that the, the the family don't lose the value of those assets. Yeah. And and that's that asset in particular is we'll get into a little bit more of the details on on what planning um, the family ultimately chose to to kind of incorporate to deal with that asset. But the other the other thing that came up with this particular family, as I mentioned earlier, uh, both the uh, husband and wife were successful business owners of, of their own right or in their own right. And when we looked at their planning and some of their projected success that they were going to have uh, from a generational estate tax exposure, it was fairly sizable. And when we looked again, on as we talked about in the prior podcast, you look upline generations, when you look at their planning, we were actually fortunate in this case that we were able to incorporate both uh, the existing plans together when we went through our audit process. So we were able to see really firsthand how all of these different pieces impacted one another, particularly as it relates to generation one to generation two. And through that review, we were able to uncover that generation one was really leaving all of the assets to generation two uh, outright and free of trust. So what does that do? what what impact does that have? Number one, 
there was an estate tax exposure from generation one to generation two. So that that we could maybe minimize, which we'll get into that, that we have minimized that. Uh, that's that's one. The, step two, no asset protection or limited asset protection, because all of those assets are not going to remain in trust. They're going to be pouring out to uh, our client, uh, the daughter, and those assets could be exposed to her creditors as well, or it would also make it much more difficult for her to manage her own estate planning because she was going to be inheriting these assets. So one of the things we talked about last podcast was this concept of of generation skipping type of trust planning. And this is a way for upline generations to create a trust for the next generation and for uh, and, and future generations to be able to give access to those assets to the family, but not put them in generation two's estate. We've talked a, a lot about how the estate tax laws as they exist today are very often designed to tax wealth as it goes from generation to generation. They want to tax that at every passing. There are ways in which you can you can avoid that by incorporating some of these generational trust structures. But that was kind of again step two. Step one was make sure that the gener- the um, basic estate documents were in place. Phase two was maybe dealing with some of this uh, estate tax exposure as well. When we looked at the generational tax exposure when we reviewed these documents. And and, and again, it, it that that waterfall tax goes to the grandkids too. Yep. It, that G3. So so it, our challenge has always been this waterfall tax. That's the that's the term that the practitioners use. The, the IRS wants to tax every generation very simply. That's what they want to do. They want to keep taxing wealth creation through the generations. When you look at the the planning from G1 to G3, you can eliminate those taxes completely. But you have to do certain things. And the tax code is kind of funny. <clears throat> it's complex by nature. Uh, but we often talk about the estate tax is a voluntary tax. You don't have to pay it. And what I mean by that, it, it's actual tax that if you don't do the right planning, you have to pay. But 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 the government gives you, Uncle Sam gives you tools and techniques not to pay it. And this is one of these case studies where we used every tool and technique under the tax code not to pay estate taxes or to protect these taxes from ever being that waterfall tax through the generations. You could stop that cold right right, right, right in its tracks if you do the right planning. So again, this is one, one of the themes with this family was that was our goal is to stop that tax instantly as much as we can, stop it today, and it's not going to it's not going to be a tax going forward to the kids. Well, it's in, and one detail we left out, um, which I think is important to, again, reiterate is is the fact that right now there is a an, basically an, a doubled estate tax exemption that was scheduled to go away in another two years. Um, and so that was one area when, again, when we looked at our review and through our audit process, there was not necessarily an estate tax or a sizable estate tax exposure today from generation one to generation two. But in two years from now, when the state tax exemption basically gets cut in half, well, there's a big estate tax exposure. So the it's a very much a use it or lose it situation. I mean, I feel like we talk about this on almost every podcast, but it's, it's important. important to talk about because we continue to see families when we go through the auto process that haven't really done a lot of the sophisticated planning for one reason or another. And it's one area that, again, Laws can change. I guess Congress could, you know, make these laws permanent. Um, today, that's not the case. It's scheduled to what we call sunset and basically be right. cut in half. So we, we're big advocates for really jumping on this now uh, while you can and just do that planning. But 
you know, again, we talk about this a lot, but we think it's really important because we just continue to see that there's just this exposure. The families either a weren't aware of, or they said, you know what, I've heard about that, but uh, I thought I maybe had some time, or I was gonna, you know, maybe deal with it next year, whatever, whatever the case is. We're big advocates for jumping on this type of planning now. A few weeks ago, I was with, with a client on the West Coast, and we were talking about. Uh, some of the work that we do at Copper Beach, and he asked me, "Well, what type of service do you provide?" And we're talking, and I knew approximately what his estate was, and I knew that he had a tax exposure. And I said, "By working with Copper Beach, we could look at potentially saving you five million dollars in taxes just by doing some basic planning. That if you don't do it in the next couple of years, you're going to lose it." So it was an interesting conversation. But to Michael's point, we don't see a lot of advisors approaching that even today. We only have a two-year window still. So you have two years to take advantage of that credit, but if you don't, if you don't incorporate that in your plan, you're going to lose that opportunity. Yep. Let's talk. Let's go back to that uh, that IRA asset because that was a a very was well, very specific. We had a lot of conversations with the family um, generation two on that asset in particular, in light of the fact that it's an asset that's includable in the family's estate. So again, that part of that estate tax exposure that we uh, were forecasting. This asset was a very sizable piece of one of the largest assets that dad had in this case. And so that became a really focal point for the family in terms of how do we plan around that. But the other um, area that they had brought up to us was this desire to create a family philanthropic plan. When we met, we did a family meeting with three generations of this family. Generation three in particular was very bullish on looking at this philanthropic legacy of the family. And so this IRA asset became really the focal point, again, to be able to minimize the uh, family's estate because it's part of their estate, but also the asset protection of that asset was very important as well. As I mentioned, asset protection was really the key objective really at the beginning of of this relationship with the family that they wanted to focus on. And so this IRA essentially is now going to become this family's philanthropic vehicle. So there's going to be a charitable remainder trust that's very likely going to be formed that will be the recipient of that asset. And what that's gonna do is get the asset out of the family's estate. And it's also gonna provide an income stream to mom and dad for their lifetimes. But at the end of that charitable trust term, the family's newly uh, formed foundation, family foundation is gonna be the recipient of that. So through this, just this one, looking at this one asset, we're minimizing the asset protection, or excuse me, maximizing the asset protection because we're we're eliminating that from dad's ownership technically, which is again one of the areas that the family wants to focus on. And then also getting that asset out of their estate and using it to create this this philanthropic legacy. So it's really when you look at again the sort of upline planning here, this was an asset that the family was not likely going to need. It, in light of the Secure Act and with this in, this estate tax law sunset that we're having in a couple of years, it made a lot of sense for the family to consider philanthropic planning as as a sort of a goal for this particular asset. And again, this is something that we're seeing a lot more on our side in terms of having these large IRA balances that families at some point are not really going to need. Uh, when they reach retirement age, it's it's an interesting development that I'm seeing, even not amongst the the super wealthy 
uh, high net worth individuals. I see this a lot, even with just discussions with family members or or friends in terms of what they're dealing with, with their parents, sort of they have these IRA assets that are out there and they've developed their cash flow appropriately where they don't need the income that they're going to have to take from these assets in the future, which brings up things like charitable planning or Roth conversions. We had a, a podcast on you know Roth conversions uh, not too long ago with Chris Rufino here in our office. And you know, so these types of conversations are coming up uh, more and more. And it's just something that I think families um, should pay more attention to. Michael, why don't, you, why don't you talk about how this charitable trust works? Because we're going to bridge it to the next case study that's going to have an opposite type of a strategy. Yeah. So this trust is, is again, it's called charitable remainder trust. And, and all that means is you can place an asset into this trust and you can receive an income stream from that trust for either a, a period of time or for your lifetime. You could make your children as a recipient of this income stream. Uh, there's a lot of ways you can design that. And and we could do a whole podcast on on these trusts just <laughs> in their own because there's a lot of ways you can design them. But just to keep it at a high level, that income stream comes from the trust off of the income earned by those assets. And then at the end of that period of time, whatever's left over goes to a charitable vehicle. And this family we talked about, they formed their own private foundation. That was that was what they wanted to do. And so that foundation is going to be the recipient of these assets. But you could name a donor advised fund, or you could name just a public charity like the Red Cross or your church, whatever the case may be. But a charitable entity receives the assets at the end of the day. And the benefit, again, of this trust is that the assets that are transferred to that trust are out of the family's taxable estate. You get an income tax deduction of some percentage, which is based on how the trust is designed, but you can get an income tax deduction by contributing assets to that trust. And so it has a lot of really very cool and unique planning benefits that come along with this type of trust. So it's, it's again, it's we went through a lot of different options with this family about how to incorporate philanthropy with this asset specifically. And so basically this trust is going to become the vehicle uh, for this IRA uh, in the future. Yeah. We had the meeting with all the generations uh, around the table. One of the reasons why they liked the foundation strategy was we talked strategically how a foundation works and the fact that the main reason why a lot of families look at foundations it's a way to keep the family kind of close together. They all work in harmony to run that foundation. So we had the G3 at the table. They were fascinated with it. They could take part in working with this foundation to give out to charities through their lifetime, but also allowed them to understand that they all work together as a family to make that happen. Um, Grandma loved that idea, and so did our client. So so there was a there was a piece of the pie that that was more of a generational, like this is going to help all our generations to help manage this foundation and our family name to give out to charities that we, that we want to give out to. So it was, a, it was a fascinating discussion, but that's the power of having all the generations sit down and talk about these issues. Yeah, which goes back to, again, the premise here of, of this upline planning concept is that a lot of time, I, I mean, I would imagine that this conversation probably wouldn't have happened if we haven't looked at this upline sort of a plan with with generation one here it would because no because the, and and that really now you look at this as creating this philanthropic legacy so you know that might not be a plan that every family wants to incorporate by the way right but 
for this family, it was very important to them. And so the upline planning that was done helped really facilitate this uh, because when you look at everything generationally, I don't think that, again, the family would have come up with that conclusion if they hadn't really gone through that process. So again, even though this philanthropic goal might not be your goal, if you're a listener, it's still something that you can consider. And there's other options that that you know you can look at, but it's just really this focus on this upline this upline planning. So hopefully that was helpful there. Let's get to this other um, case yes. study, uh, Dad, that, that I think where up this upline planning conversation was really important. So why don't you start? Are you going to let me start? Absolutely. Okay. You're the lawyer. I go through the fact patterns. That's the, <laughs> that's my, he's, he's a lawyer, Wendy. <laughs> yes. Uh, that's why he has to do all the hard work, right? Of course. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm the lightweight. <laughs> so this plan um, that was developed um, was the upline conversation st- started really uh, through an unfortunate scenario in terms of dad, in this case, uh, the father of, the clients that we were working with uh, primarily came down with cancer suddenly. Uh, he It was uh, very far advanced. I think it was maybe stage three or four by the time yes. um, uh, that we were informed. And so the same kind of theme started to develop was, okay, let's let's look at the assets that dad has. By the way, Gen 2 was, again, successful business owners. They, they had their own families that they were uh, managing on top of managing their business. And so now they immediately got thrust into, okay, we're going to now need to start looking at what dad has in place and how does that impact our planning? And so when we looked at, this is this case goes back probably over, over about, years. about 10 years. Um, so the tax laws were different and uh, than, they, than they exist today, but the general themes are probably similar to the case that we just went through. Uh, dad had um, a large IRA that he was not going to need. He had his own estate tax exposure that he was wrestling with. The assets that he was leaving to his kids, of, of whom the Generation 2 had their own estate tax exposure, those assets were not asset protected. He was leaving them outright to his children, uh, which is going to increase their estate and effectively make their planning more difficult. And so this was the scenario. Again, we didn't have the luxury that we did in the first case that we went through in terms of really doing multiple audits where we could really have a a full scale view of what that family had in place generationally. In this case, this was sort of an all hands on deck type of moment where we needed to really look at this kind of very quickly uh, and, and get things in place. So that was really the scenario that we were dealing with. We're also dealing with a blended family. So he had remarried later in life. He had divorced from the the mother of our clients and remarried. They, his second wife had children on her side. And so we had a, an asset protection conversation as well. That was very important to everybody uh, in the family to make sure that the asset equalization was in place and that the asset protection, he wanted to incorporate a bloodline trust into this design. So a lot of complexity that that really we were just kind of thrust into uh, right from the get-go. So that's kind of what, we're, what we were dealing with. Uh, Dad, I don't know if I I th- think I got all the key factors there, but is there anything I forgot? Yeah, he had he had he had title issues. He had, if I recall, the fact pattern. His his pension and IRAs he had going to his kids, but he was oh, married. Yeah. Yep. So it's a, and they're California residents. It would have been an absolute bloodbath. Well, that's yeah. That's a again getting back to the asset protection. That's the key. Yeah. Thank you. That I forgot about that. Th- there's a lot of laws that are in place, particularly for retirement plans, 401ks, 
and IRAs that there's a lot of deference that is given to the spouse as being the beneficiary of those assets. And so this could have created potentially, I, we don't know if it would have been an issue, but it, it would have been an issue. I think I agree. I think it would have been, but it would have created this, this issue in terms of having the beneficiaries of this asset be the children because he had created this account before he had gotten remarried. So that's another maybe key basic plan to look at. Look at your beneficiaries of your designate on, on your IRA or 401k plans. Make sure that those beneficiary designations are updated with who you would want to have as being the beneficiary because those assets bypass your will. I think we've talked about that as well. Those assets flow to whoever the beneficiary is. So if your will or your estate plan has those has assets going in a different direction, the actual account beneficiary is going to control there. So make sure this got a little of a tangent there, but that's an important component. Yeah, but that's a, that's a, Bob, if I could brought up the point that we did do an audit on on this channel. Yep. So that we would have found that out uh, with the data, but we didn't get the data. So it was, it was like Michael's point, all hands on deck. It was a fire drill to try to figure out all the components all the ownership structures, the beneficiaries. So the whole process was fixing this. And I believe at the end of the day, we saved the family about five or $6 million in estate taxes. I think that was the estimates, yeah. On this fire drill. So the family to this day, thanks Michael and I all the time about the effort we put forth to work with G1. Again, this is what this conversation is all about, to make sure we understood what G1 was trying to do to G2 and so on and so forth, how that affected G3. So so it was, a, it was really our, our whole point to this conversation is you kind of go up a line as well as down line to do this planning, especially we deal with, with affluent families. Yeah, unfortunately, in this case, uh, Generation 1, the, the father was uh, very open to having these conversations. He was very open to advice, which was which was great and really allowed for this, we, we think, good plan to actually get finalized. Because I know we were talking He's last time uh, that sometimes that, that doesn't always happen and that is a challenge. I know there's one family we're working with uh, right now, Dad, where this is an issue where uh, we're working with uh, mom and dad, both successful, again, business owners. The wife is a uh, manages the family's real estate. Husband runs a successful company. They have their own growth projections where they might have some estate tax exposure. And again, in just kind of having a conversation with them, we started inquiring about if there are any, you know, successful uh, parents that might be passing assets down to to the next generation, and how that was going to be structured. And it turns out that the mother of the wife has a very successful business of her own that really has, there's no plan that's being developed for that. She's, I think, 85, I think, and has really no plan. And they've tried to have those conversations with her and haven't really gotten anywhere. And that's really going to cause, I think, a lot of challenges for us and for you know our clients to be able to plan around that. I think we'll, we'll be able to figure it out. But that again is kind of an an instance where it it appears, and we're still working on 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 her. By the way, to be able we're to, trying, we're trying because I think there could be again with this window we have now with this estate tax exemption uh, being as high as it is. You know, this mother can do a lot of really really good planning for her family, but you have to be willing to kind of go to that next step. So it's, it's, it's millions of taxes too. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's a challenge, but we're working on her. 
Yeah, but by the way, that beneficiary designation on your IRAs and 401k plans, et cetera, you have to look at it. We have a case right now, a client, that one of their sons just passed away, 38 years old, from a heart attack. And when we looked at the data, because uh, we didn't have all his data, and I'm not sure why we never got it all from him, because he was it was a struggle trying to get data from this particular individual. But the beneficiary designation on his IRA was to his brother. And he has a 12, 14-year-old son. Mm-hmm. That how do we fix that? So you got to double check these beneficiaries to make sure they're accurate, they're updated. Because again, if if they're not, it could cause a yeah. cause stress to the family. Yeah. By the way, that other case study we just mentioned that we actually created a family foundation as well. But you want to walk through the purpose why we kind of got to that end? Yeah, this is the second phase. This is a family that um whose father came down with cancer suddenly and there was that that fire drill scenario but same co- sort of conversation the family wanted to be more philanthropic in their community and so a portion of dad's assets actually went to help form that foundation that the family still uses to this day so it's it's another area where again part of the comprehensive planning is really important is just making sure that philanthropy really a fits the philosophy of the family number one because if family's not philanthropic and there are a lot of families that will use the old adage that charity starts at home and if that's an important value for them that's fine they might not go to this route so you do have to have that philosophy that it's important to you as a family um, but if it is you know how does that get structured and 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 what assets do you use to fund it is there sufficient cash flow that coming from other assets that we maybe are comfortable creating this foundation or do we need to use that charitable remainder trust to be able to produce an income stream all these different charitable vehicles there's a lot of ways that you can skin that cat in this family's case the the foundation made a lot of sense for them uh, they still have it to this day and that's again often talk about how do you want to be remembered this is we think a way that this family is going to stay within the community or the name family name is going to stay in the community hopefully you know hopefully forever so that was a another key component of of this plan yeah i'm, and I'm going to talk about a, a close of these cases one of the designs we we often look at where and michael just tweaked me with it with his comment charity starts at home a lot a lot of the people we work with really are philanthropic but they also look at it from a tax benefit as well. That's a focus they have. So imagine having a $5 million IRA account. You gave it to charity. You have an income stream off that charity that you live on. When you pass away, the rest of that goes to charity. So what happens is that $5 million IRA, your kids don't get. So some clients look at that and say, well, I'm philanthropic, but $5 million in charity, I'm not sure if that that's... I'd rather somehow get that back to my kids somehow. Is there a way to do that? And one of the designs we have, there actually is a way where we take that strategy, where we put money in a charitable uh, remainder trust, mom and dad get income from that trust. We can take some of that income and use via gifting strategy, gift to another trust that owns a survivorship life insurance policy on mom and dad that replaces that value upon their death. So there are families that, that go that strategy because they want to be able to give to charity. Uh, maximize the tax benefits of that strategy, but also find a way to get back to the kids and using these other trusts and insurance as a leveraging tool can accomplish that. So some of these designs get really, really creative, but that's some of the strategies we've we've helped clients through. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And it's difficult to really get to that conclusion until you go through the whole process of looking at that upline planning. Because again, unless you sort of know what what's there, it's hard to really come up with a, a plan that really fits for the family, both from a philanthropy standpoint, do they want to replace that value back to the family through that insurance design? Uh, all of those different variables and steps along the way, are, it's important to really have somebody I think that's the impetus for a lot of that, and and hopefully we can we can take that role. Yeah, yeah. These 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 cases are are, are fascinating to work. Uh, we've been fortunate over the last uh, fifteen years to work on a lot of these very creative and very high end cases to come up with solutions and opportunities for families to preserve and protect their wealth. So we we love working in this arena. It's a it's a challenge for us. But it really surprises me that the, the lack of education on some of these strategies out there is limited. We, we again, go back to our podcast. We like people listen to our podcast to get some some information that might be able to help them. Yeah. So I, I hope that this was a, a helpful illustration of maybe some cases where this this concept of upline planning, you know, was hopefully helpful. Um, hopefully, it was enlightening, and and I don't know, maybe it'll spark some of you listeners out there to maybe have these conversations with parents or you know friends and and their parents because this upline planning concept can really a make your planning a lot easier and can really provide a lot of benefit generationally for your family. Awesome. That sounds great. And keep the money away from the tax man, right? Uh, yeah, that seems to be a goal. most families have that goal yes yes exactly all right guys well thank you so much we appreciate it and thank you for listening today please like follow and share this podcast until next time i'm wendy mcconnell thank you for listening to the truth about wealth podcast click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Copper Beach Financial Group. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. This material is for informational purposes only. Neither APFS nor its representatives provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Please consult your own tax, legal, or accounting professional before making any decisions. Copper Beach is not affiliated with American Portfolios Financial Services, Inc. and American Portfolios Advisors, Inc. Securities offered through American Portfolio Financial Services, Inc., a member of FINRA SIPC, Investment Advisory and Financial Planning Services offered through American Portfolio Advisors, Inc., an SCC Registered Investment Advisor. These opinions are subject to change at any time without notice. Any comments or postings are provided for informational purposes only and do not constitute an offer or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or other financial instruments. Readers should conduct their own review and exercise judgment prior to investing. Investments are not guaranteed, involve risk, and may result in a loss of principal. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Investments are not suitable for all types of investors. 
Copper Beach is an unaffiliated entity of American Portfolios Financial Services, Inc. and American Portfolios Advisors, Inc. Any opinion expressed in this forum is not the opinions of American Portfolio Financial Services, Inc. and American Portfolio Advisors, Inc. and have not been reviewed by the firm for completeness or accuracy. American Portfolios and Copper Beach Financial Group are not affiliated with any other named business entities mentioned.